Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Hello, everyone. My name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor here. Hey, um, I think we're actually going to have a thousand Easter eggs to, to give away. So please come help fill those. That would be helpful. Hey, uh, I did want to give a quick announcement. We, we mention every week that we set aside 10% to give away to out, for um, local outreach and then also for international missions. And uh, recently, there, uh, a need became known to me from a local food pantry. It's the Jimtown Food Pantry. It's an, a newer one. And they needed a freezer um, because they had a lot of dry foods, but uh, they could also have frozen foods if they had a place to store it, a commercial freezer. And so uh, I asked, I said, well, how much does one of those cost? And I think it was around $6,000. And uh, I said, well, I can't give you 6000 How about we do this? How about we give you 3000 matching funds, and you raise the other 3000 and uh, and then we'll give it to you, and you'll have everything you need. And so he said, that'd be great. He ends up texting me later that day and says, we got the other 3,000. So <laughs> mentioned it to a few friends, and they said, we'll, we'll donate to that. So long story short, here's a picture of the freezer. Uh, they just got it this week. They're going to get it set up, and, uh, and it's pretty exciting. So if you know anyone that is in need of food in the Jimtown area, uh, go to the Facebook page. It's G-Y-M Town. So it's not J-I-M Town. Jimtown on Facebook, and you can find out more information. But anyway, thank you guys for your generosity. It helps us to be generous to those in our community and around the world. All right, to open up today's message, uh, I want to share when Rose and I were in this decision of leaving the corporate world and going into full-time ministry. This was back in 2007. And I was working at the hospital, and, and, and Memorial Hospital, downtown South Bend. I was a director there. And God started speaking to me about going into full-time ministry. And uh, that, was a, that was a job change. That was quite a shift. I'd been at the hospital for 15 years, so I knew how to do that. I wasn't sure how to do this. And so I needed a lot of clarification and direction. And so I started asking people in my life, mentors to me, like I asked my, my dad and my mom, I said, what do you guys think about this? I asked some good friends of mine. Of course, I asked my pastor. And I was just asking these questions like, do you think I should make this move? I mean, this is what we feel God is saying to us. And, uh, and every one of them said, yes, you should do it. Yes, you should do it. Well, I had one more mentor of mine. He had been my boss at the hospital for 12 years. He he had hired me. He had since retired. We were still good friends. Um, but he was a self-proclaimed agnostic, if not an atheist. And, uh, and he was all about financial security and business and things like that. And so, I, I, to be honest, I didn't want to ask him because I knew what he was going to say, right? Quit your job. Go take a lesser paying job. What are you thinking? You know, it was one of those things. And so I said, but I need to ask all of my mentors. I, that's due diligence. And so I remember I, I told him, I said, hey, I want to talk to you. We met at BW3s when it was in downtown South Bend. And, uh, and we, were, we were sitting across the table from each other. And, and I, and I kind of sheepishly explained what I thought God was telling me to do, a God that he doesn't even believe exists, right? 
and uh, that I was going to, you know, quit my job and, and do this. And, uh, and at the end of explaining it all, I remember he, he looked at me and he reached across the table and he put his finger like in my chest and he said, faith, 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 faith. Ever since I've known you, Clint, all you've ever talked about is your faith. Well, it's time to put your money where your mouth is. And he told me I should take this job, which I was shocked to hear from him uh, that answer. Because the thing was, I had always talked about my faith. I'd shared it to him, you know, over the 15 years that I'd known him. And so he was just basically saying, if you really believe what you say you believe, then this is an easy answer because you're going to step out in faith and trust a God that you believe in. Right? Actions speak louder than words. I had spoken a lot of words, and it was now time to put my faith into action. But we've seen that, right? We know that. Actions speak louder than words. Um, this, this past year, we've seen a lot of people uh, talk about the, the virus, right, the past couple years, and they talk about isolation, right, and wearing masks and all those things. And, and so they, they do commercials on it, they, they post about it, and then, like these famous politicians and, and famous people, and then you see a photo of them, right? They're, they're out in public without a mask. And you're like, why should I listen to you? Because your words are cheap. Like actions speak louder than words. You know, another example of that uh, comes in, uh, in parenting, right? I mean, we can tell our kids, how many parents are in here? Yeah, we know this, right? And then all the kids are like, oh yeah, I know about this. We can tell our kids, don't do this and do this. Don't say that and don't, you know, all these things, but what do our kids, what, what do they really learn from? What we say or what we do? It's what we do that really matters, right? It's what we do that really matters. Here's a few quotes I got for you. First one's from Benjamin Franklin. Well done is better than well said. Think about that. Well done is better than well said. Amit Kalantri is an author from India. He said, a tongue doesn't get things done. <laughs> Think about that. A tongue doesn't get things done. Another um, author, Patrick Ness, said, you do not write your life with words, you write it with actions. What you think is not important. It is only important what you do. What we do matters in this life. People are watching. Now, it matters in our life. It also matters in our spiritual walk as well. Here's a few scriptures. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Our faith is so much more than what we learn or say. It's what we do. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 6. He says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Jesus was saying, don't, don't call me Lord if you're not going to actually make me Lord and do what I say. And then James 2.17 says, in the same way, faith by itself, 
if, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. doesn't say it's weak or it's not so powerful. It says faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. Is dead. See, what we say is important. I don't want to downplay that. Words do matter. But what we do is so much more important. It communicates so much more to the people around us. And I would even argue it communicates so much more to our Father in heaven as well. So hold that thought. We're in a message series titled Living in Love. It's a message series in the book of 1 John, uh, but it's about living a lifestyle of love. And last week, we had a message titled uh, Saying No to Love, and it was a message about saying no to loving this world. Because if we're going to love God, we can't love this world. It's, it's one or the other. And if you miss that, you can go back and watch that online. But today we're going to be continuing our message series. We'll be in chapter 3 of 1 John, starting with verse 16. You can turn there if you would like. We'll have the scripture on the screen as well. But in this section of scripture, John is sharing the how on how we love our brothers and sisters. Now this year, our word is passion. We want to become more passionately in love with God, and we want to show God our love for him. Well, one of the greatest ways that we can show love to our God in heaven is to love his children. And so today's message is about how do we love God's children well. Not just with words, right? But with our actions. So here's Uh, verses 16 through 18. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So our message today is active in love, taking action with our love. And I'm going to give us four ways that we can be active in our love for those around us uh, based on this section of Scripture. And I will say this may be a familiar Scripture to many of you today. Um, Let me just encourage you, don't check out when you hear a familiar Scripture because the Holy Spirit, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak to each one of us today. Even as I was Studying this scripture this week, man, God was just speaking about situations in my life, and I felt conviction, and hopefully, you know, I'm a better person as a result, and I'm hoping that God will speak to you individually today. So I'll give you four uh, ways that we can put our love into action, but first let me pray. So God, we come to you today, and I pray, Lord, that you would take a familiar text in your in your word, God, to many of us. And I pray, Lord, that you would personalize it. Speak to us, God. Encourage us. Show us ways that we can love those around us better. Your word says that they will know that we are Christians by our love. And it's not just by what we say. It's by what we do as well. So teach us today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you can fill this in on your handout if you would like. Uh, Point number one, 
Our love takes action when we sacrifice what we want for others. Sacrifice what we want for others. Verse 16 says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Sacrifice is not a very popular word. <laughs> we don't wake up in the morning and go, man, I'm looking forward to sacrificing today, right? We just don't do that. But if we're going to be a follower of Jesus, it's all about sacrifice. It's all about sacrifice. If you think about Jesus for a second, Jesus really had it made. I mean, if he needed some money, he'd just go fishing, pull out a fish, and there's a gold coin in the fish's mouth, right? He had this little trick where you could turn water into wine. That's a money-making opportunity, right? And it was really good wine, Scripture says. He could multiply a couple of pieces of bread and some fish enough to feed thousands. And not only that, people would consistently come to him to be healed of all of their diseases. Thousands of people followed Jesus. Thousands of people. So if you think about his life, they wanted to, they wanted to actually make him king by force because he was so popular. He had it made. But Jesus willingly laid all of that down, all of the worldly things that were available to him, he laid them all down for one reason. And that was to sacrifice his life for us. It wasn't for his betterment. Let's just make that clear. I mean, yes, heaven is better than here on earth, but he had it pretty nice here on earth. He laid it all down for our betterment. His sacrifice was for us. Now, I don't know about you, but when it comes to sacrifice, I can sacrifice if it's for my benefit, right? I mean, we understand that, right? If, if I'm the person receiving the benefit, sacrifice is a little easier. I'll change what I eat or maybe not eat so much just so my pants will fit, you know, we'll do that, right? I'll save up money, like sacrifice, not spending my money on everything I want right now so that I can buy something I really want later. You know, that's kind of a sacrifice. You know, I'll sacrifice some sleep and, and wake up early so that I can work out and exercise. But, you know, that's for my benefit. It, it makes me feel better. But when it comes to sacrificing for someone else, that's harder. That's harder. Um. I was thinking about this this week, and um, Rose and I, we're empty nesters now, and so we kind of have our little routine, kind of fun. You know, the, not very often are we home, you know, at night, but when we are, we're going to, like, go on, and we're going to watch the show that we hadn't, didn't see earlier this week, and, and so we, we get downstairs. It's a little cooler in the basement, and so we, I, I kick back the recliner. I, I put the blanket all around me, and I I'm just like, oh, this is nice. Got the remote, you know, and I'm just laying there. And then if I'm hungry or thirsty, you know, I'll be like, oh, man, that's a sacrifice. I got I to gotta get out of my little warm cocoon and go upstairs and get something, but I'll do it. And so I'll unwrap myself and go upstairs and get myself something to eat or something to drink, and I'll come back down. But if I'm all cocooned up and Rose leans over to me and says, I'm thirsty, I go, 
good for you, right? I mean, I mean, I'll sacrifice for myself, but you know, if if I gotta get out and go up for her benefit, I mean, sometimes I'll do it, but I'm thinking, well, I want something anyway, so it's really not just all about her. Isn't it hard, right? This idea of sacrificing for someone else's benefit. So here's your question to ask yourself. When is the last time I sacrificed my wants for someone else's benefit? Think about that. When is the last time you did that? And if you're having difficulty remembering something recently, I want to encourage you to consider point number two. Our love takes action when we really begin to see those around us. When we begin to see those around us. Verse 17, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need. Seeing someone's needs takes effort. It takes time. People don't actually often tell us when they're really in need. I mean, yes, we'll see those few people on Facebook who post about everything, right? I mean, there's just a couple of them. But generally, our friends and family, they, they don't share when they're going through a hard time very often. We have to take time to actually notice them, to see them. But we all are pretty busy. We don't seem to have time to invest into others and invest into relationships and to have those good conversations. We're constantly stretched running from one thing to another. But a question is, are we really that busy? Are we really that stretched for time? This is a question I had to ask myself this past week. I think a young adult friend of mine posted this on Facebook, and I think it's, it's the epitome of, of, our, of our situation right now. Things I'm no longer interested in. Driving at night, leaving my house at night. Driving in the winter, leaving the house in the winter. Driving or leaving the house, right? <laughs> Isn't that the truth? I, I, you know, so many things happened over the last two years, but one of the things that happened is we were forced to stay home, like we've never been forced to stay home before. And so while we were there, we said, well, we're going to make the best of it. Like I said, I have my nice little recliner and my nice little blanket and, and our 65, 75-inch flat-screen TV with streaming services, surround sound, we got a refrigerator full upstairs, got a little toaster oven. I mean, you name it, we got it, right? That's not the way I grew up, though. If you <laughs> because we have so many reasons to stay home, it's so comfortable now to stay home. Many people even work from home, right? I mean, we just stay home. We're not investing in people around us. We're, it's harder for us to to leave our homes and go and be with people and invest into people. And I would say this is unique to this day and age. Um, When I was, I mean, not that long ago, like 100 years ago when I was a teenager. It wasn't that long ago. Um, But when I was a teenager, we had a 13-inch black and white TV. 
Did you know that? They actually made, did you know what Sheridan? They made black and white TVs. They didn't make it black and white because it was cool. They did it because it was the only thing available at the time. And it wasn't HD. It was fuzzy, right, based on your ears, right, you know, your bunny ears. It was, you know, did that kind of thing. We didn't have a remote control. I think we had five channels. I was trying to remember. I think we had ABC, CBS, NBC, PBS, and WHME. So you could watch the Lawrence Welk show, right? <laughs> you could watch Hee Haw, right? <laughs> or you could leave the house, and that's what I did. Or you go up to your room and you say, oh, I'm going to listen to music. So you put in a cassette tape, one of 25 that you might have. And you listen to the same tape over and over and over again because we didn't have unlimited streaming of every song that's ever been known to mankind like we do today. And of course, we couldn't watch any TV show or movie. I mean, right? Movies. I would rather watch a movie at home now than I would at a theater. It's more comfortable to do that. We have books, our media feeds. See, we have become hermits by choice. Isn't that interesting? Just, just staying home, being by ourselves. If I wanted to see what somebody else was doing, back then, I couldn't just check my media feed. I had to actually go to their house. Right, it's just what we had to do, and and if they weren't home, you know, like we, we would actually drop in, and they we were unexpected. We'd just drop in and say hi. If they weren't home, we'd TP their house to let them know that we were there. <laughs> just let them know we we're thinking about them. You know. So this technology is is wonderful, and I, I appreciate it. But I think it's it's we we've lost the fact that we need other people, and maybe more importantly. We've lost the fact that other people need us. Other people need us. We don't know what they're going through. There's been situations where Rose and I look fine on the outside, but we're going through something on the inside. Because we all look the same on a Sunday morning, right? We need to take the time. We need to go invest into other people into relationships so that we can see them and notice what they're going through so that we can be there for them. So here's a question to ask yourself again. When is the last time I spent quality time with someone who isn't related to me or who doesn't live in my house? Just think about that. Because we need to see those around us, and it takes time to do that and energy. All right, so our love takes action when we really begin to see those around us. Number three, I have two more points for you. I'll go through these rather quickly. Uh, is when we respond with compassion. When we see their needs, when we finally understand what they're going through, it's how we respond to them. God wants us to respond with compassion. Verse 17 says, If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, 
How can the love of God be in that person? The King James Version says it this way. But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need. You still with me on that? But catch this. And shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him. How dwelleth the love of God in him? Shutteth up his bowels of compassion. <laughs> There's an image, right? <laughs> but it implies that we have compassion in us, right? It's in us. We need to respond with the compassion that God has in us. Now, what's the opposite of compassion? Judgment. Judgment. And I don't know about you, but man, so many times if I see like a homeless person, my first response is not compassion, it's judgment. Well, you wouldn't be homeless if you, you had a job. Or if somebody is telling me, you know, I, I just, I'm alone, I don't have any friends, I'm like, well, if you stop talking about yourself, maybe you would have some friends. And I'm just letting you know, this is what's going on on the inside. I may not say that, but that's what's going on. Or somebody's unhealthy, I'm like, well, what are you eating? Are you exercising? Are you getting sleep? Are you, you know what I mean? This is what happens in my mind. That's my first response many times, is to respond out of judgment instead of compassion. It's in those times that God reminds me that there's one judge, and I ain't it. Does he ever say that to you? Ain't? He says, ain't to me. He says, Clint, there's one judge. You ain't it. He just lets me know that's not my job. My job is to respond out of compassion. And it's all over Scripture. Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another. 1 Peter 3.8, finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Colossians 3.12, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Here's your feeling. When people are suffering, they don't need a judge, they need a friend. And a friend has compassion instead of judgment. God can give you compassion. He's given me compassion. I'm not always that evil, just so you know. <laughs> God will move my heart and I'll have compassion like I've never had because it's not within me, but God can give it to me. And he can give it to you too as well if you, if you struggle with that. So our love takes action when we respond with compassion. And here's your last point. Our love takes action when we share the truth. This is important. This is important. Verse 18, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. See, we're supposed to respond with actions. We've already been talking about that, but he also wants us to respond in truth. Not our truth, not what we think is best, not the self-help thing that we heard about. This right here. This is the truth. And we have a world today that doesn't know this book. 
And therefore, they don't know the truth. And so they're inventing theories and truths that just aren't true. And this world would say, hey, if you love me, put your love into action and agree with everything that I agree with and approve of everything that I do. Let me just say, that's not love. That's just not love. We have a world that is believing a lie. And we owe it to them to tell the truth. It's not love to quietly sit by and by your quietness, you're silently approving of what they just said. Now, there's a right way and a wrong way to share the truth, right? I've done it wrong at least as many times as I've done it right. 2 Timothy 2.24 says this, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. Leading them to a knowledge of the truth. The hope is that everyone will know the truth because we know that the truth will set them free, right? Free, free from every situation that they're in. God wants to bring freedom to them. But we must gently instruct them. And guys, we need to lead in love with actions long before we lead in love with truth. I believe there is a reason why it says, but with actions and in truth. Don't start with truth. Start with your actions. Demonstrate love. Show love. Prove to them that you love them. And then show them the full extent of your love by being willing to share the truth. Here's your last villain. Love is kind. No one's ever accused love of being mean. You know, condemning, that's not love. Love is kind. Love is kind. So our love takes action when we sacrifice what we want for others, really begin to see those around us, respond with compassion, and share the truth. Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofinner.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.